another episode of the Shegulola Salami Show. It's a podcast show set in a virtual cafe. We talk about books and publishing, but it's not a typical interview. It's more a discussion type show set in a virtual cafe where we're having virtually delicious drinks and pastries. Um, we talk about the weather sometimes. We talk about different things. But the aim of the show is that you will definitely discover a new book. You will learn something new. You will be motivated or inspired. And that's kind of like the drift of it. Um, I'm not going to babble on and on today. Um, as you can hear, I'm recovering from a cold. I always seem to be recovering from a cold, right? I think it's this British weather. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> anyways, who have I got here in the virtual cafe with me today? I'm Miriam Ferbeek. I come from Australia and I am the author of uh, Songs of Sea Emperor, which is a genre blending, entertaining, sort of fantasy, sort of action adventure, sort of everything type of book. And I'm really pleased to be in this lovely cafe. Awesome. You see, your book just sounds really amazing. I love fantasy and it's been ages since I've read anything. I'm looking for someone to recommend a short read, something that I can read within, I don't know, half an hour. Um, but your book does sound amazing. Um, forget it. Forget it. Shady. <laughs> I'm going to have problems with your name again. Shagilola. <laughs> um, nah, no, my, my books are definitely not a short read. You, you need to sit down and sort of take them in. I can imagine, but it does sound amazing. The fact that it's action, adventure, fantasy, and all the different amazing things that I used to do and that I used to have time to read before I became a parent. Ah, uh, yes, that, that does sort of, um, uh, now is it, I think that my children were about 17 or 18 before I finally began to feel that my life was back under my control. So tell me, how you, you know, you know, I can totally imagine, and I'm really fantasizing and looking forward to that time, um, but it just means that, you know, I don't have time to read. That's why, like, I look for things that are so quick, I can just engage them and swallow them and, you know, in half an hour between, you know, toilet breaks and things like that. But I would like to know more about your book because it sounds really, really interesting. Can I have a cup of tea before we do that? Oh, yes. My bad. My bad. My bad. Of course. It is a virtue cafe. How would you like your drink? I just like it black, thanks. No milk. Okay. As it comes. Okay, perfect. And what, um, what sort of pastries do you like? Oh, what are you going to offer me today? Well, so in our little back garden... We've got a little strawberry plant, which is making me feel good, right? Because it's not dead, right? The first winter, I didn't look after the strawberry, the strawberry plant. The second winter, I still didn't look after it very well. But then this year, it's like I've got... So last year, I got an additional... The, the, the first strawberry plant gave birth to another strawberry plant, right? So I had two. And this year, somehow, this strawberry plant loves us so much that it's given birth to two more strawberry plants and it's like yes. another one is about to give it to be born so yes i've got strawberry pancakes what does, what do you think? sounds delightful with a little bit of cream oh yes of course of 
course. And I've like, <laughs> also got this, um, it's made from a plant called agave, agave, I'm not sure. Oh, yes. And it's supposed to be, um, it's got less calories than normal sugar and it's plant-based. And, you know, it's my daughter's favorite. You can't go wrong with, you know, you can't go wrong with plant-based. And it's really, really delicious. So you can also have that as well with it. I'll give it a go. Awesome. So black tea with strawberry pancakes, right? Yep. And a cream. Don't forget the cream. cream. Yes, that's it. Sorry. Yes. No, that's perfect. Okay. So whilst the Virtue Cafe is doing its magic and getting it for you, tell me about your book now. Okay. So I had this dream ages and ages ago and I was walking with my sister and I was telling her about the dream and it was about these people who lived underground and they were having problems with people who lived above ground and I thought and my sister said you know that would make a really interesting story so I'm talking like 15 20 years ago that we were having this conversation yeah now in the meantime I, I've done a lot of work with, um, I wrote a thesis about why people behave the way that they do. Okay. And I played around with this story and I thought, now wouldn't it be interesting to take this particular concept and weave into it all the issues that make people behave the way that they do and how they can be true to themselves in contexts that are really difficult. That sounds really, really highbrow, right? (laughs) Actually, no, it doesn't, right? Because I feel like whilst you, I feel like sometimes, right, our spirits are are sort of, when we're dreaming, our spirits, you know, they go, like, it's like the TARDIS, right? So, time and relative dimension in space like they just cross paths and I think maybe your spirit from the past came and had a conversation with me in the present because I've really been thinking that human beings would be quite delusional to think that there isn't life deep in the core of the earth because we've not really reached the core of the earth yet as far as I'm aware I don't think <laughs> When you were talking about it, it was like I was just having flashbacks to these conversations that I have in my own head, right? Like, what if we find out one day that all the damage we're doing to the earth, all the beings that live in the, you know, in the core of the earth, they come up and they give us a dirty slap. Boom! See, like, you (laughs) living on the surface. Why are you sending all your CRAP down to us, right? <laughs> okay, so what happens down in this? There's actually in 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 this. It's the the series is called Songs of Sea Emperor. Okay, Sea Emperor is an island in the Antarctic Ocean. Okay, and this island is on a uh, a fault line. Do you know what fault lines are? They're sort of the cracks in the in the outer layer of the Earth. Okay, and um. That's where all the volcanoes happen. Earthquakes and volcanoes happen on, on fault lines. So this island would blow itself apart, except that there are these, these beasts, um, ancient beasts, that have learned how to stop the, uh, the island from falling apart. Okay. Um, and it, it is actually something that miners do all the time. So when they go and mine underground... 
the geologists come along to see where the earth is cracking and they actually release pressure to stop the, the rocks from falling in on top of the miners. Okay. So these beasts have learned how to do that. And then these humans come along and they start doing things that disturb what the beasts are doing. So they're mining, basically. And the beasts are trying to stop them. And uh, then there's sort of this conflict that starts to occur. And the whole book is about this, this heroine who's trying to sort herself out at the same time as trying to work out how can we stop everything from falling apart Whereas other people are just greedy. They just want to take everything that might be on this island. So it's like a microcosm of what we're doing to the earth. You were quite right when you were saying, you know, that one day we might take too much uh, from the earth. So what I've done is taken that idea and put it onto the island. So all of the problems that we're currently having, I've just contracted them and made an action-adventure story about somebody who's trying to figure out how to solve this particular problem. Awesome. But she's, she's young. She's got a lot of things to work out for herself. She doesn't really want to be a heroine. She actually wants to just be a poet. And so that's where all the complexities come in. Awesome. So now, you, if I remember, you said you had this conversation with your sister about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So yep. when did you decide to put pen to paper? When I turned 60, I thought, okay, I've got to get this story out. And so I started actually writing it. And I turned 60 for five years ago. And in 2000, uh, so Two years ago, I halfway through the year, I published my first book. And then I published my second book about six months after that. And I'm just writing the third one, which is the final part of the series. Nice. How long did it take you to write the first book? Oh, forever, because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew how to write the story. That was fine. You know, I've, I've been writing forever because I'm an academic. So I write all the time. Yeah. Uh, but writing fiction is actually quite different from writing an academic work. Yes, I can imagine. I had to learn that, you know, and, and I kept reading it and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I need to make it snappier. There are things here that, that uh, you know, when, uh, when you read your own work and you think I'm bored, then you know that your reader's going to be bored. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to make it so that eventually I wouldn't feel bored. And um, yeah, so that took a long time to get the hang of that uh, and going over it and over it. Uh, okay. but it was a fun process. You know, it's, it's always a learning process and I like learning. So. so what were the things you learned that helped you improve your writing? Um, I learned that you don't need to have a lot of backstory, that I, as the author, need to have a backstory, need to know what it is, um, but the reader doesn't need to know. For example, okay, in, in my story, one of the main characters is this very big bird. It's, okay. a, it's a gigantic bird. And the heroine rides this bird. And uh, the, the bird's quite a character. It's almost like your favorite pet. 
complicated. Okay. It's, it's a humorous part. Now, this, the, the heroine actually has to saddle this bird, get up on top of this bird, which is more than, you know, it's sort of three metres tall. So I sat down and it took me about five pages of really detail of how does this heroine get up onto the saddle and how is the saddle strapped onto the bird and that sort of stuff. I had to know those sort of details because I had to make sure that the words, which would only take a sentence, actually made sense. Yeah. But I don't have to put those five pages into the book. That would be utterly boring for somebody. Yeah. They just need to know that, you know, that it's possible. Yeah. So backstory is one of the things and how to deal with backstory was something that I found, yeah, challenging. I think I've got it now. But a lot of the time I have to go off and do that thing of writing the backstory for myself so that I know how to say it in a very short, snappy way. So that was one of the things. The other thing that I learned was that you never should shortchange yourself on the end product. So, you know, it's that's this matter of reading it through, make sure that you're giving something that's really nice and snappy, that it's edited correctly, that you have lots of eyes going over it. You just can't shortcut having that, um, even through the hands of editors. It costs a lot of money, but you shouldn't shortcut it. Of course. So that then leads me to the next question. Did you self-publish or did you go with a trade publisher? But I think I, get, I can guess the answer to that now. <laughs> I did self-publish. Um, I did uh, start off the process of looking for a, a trade publisher. But, you know, it is such a difficult, difficult process. And because it's not, it's not a genre book, you you'll pick it up and immediately you think, huh, what's this? I thought it was a fantasy book, but how come there are helicopters? How comes there's motor cars? How come she's got a smartphone? You know? <laughs> so, because of all of this, immediately you're probably put off because it's not a genre thing and trade publishers generally have great difficulty marketing something like that. So I thought, no, I'll self-publish. And, of course, that was a whole other learning process. Goodness me. <laughs> what are some <laughs> of the things you've learned? With the self-publishing? Yes. Um, okay. So the first, the first thing is just the production process, making sure that you, you actually get it up there and produce it properly. The second thing is how do you actually market it? You know, when you've got, what is it, five other million books? Yeah that are sitting there and you come in, nobody knows your name, nobody knows anything about the books, um, how do you position it, how do you actually get your book to rise above everybody else's books or even get noticed, it doesn't even have to rise above, just even get noticed. Um, so all of that's a huge, huge learning process um, and it's probably taken up a lot of my time, all of my time last year, because I suddenly discovered, gosh, I've got to do this. Otherwise, it's like, it's like um, getting your book, putting it into the library, onto a shelf, and then closing the library door and not letting anybody in. I can imagine. 
I once read that a book that no one reads is a diary. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's a very good thought. <laughs> yes. It's just something that, uh, yeah, you basically put down for your own enjoyment. And I did do this for my own enjoyment. But, yeah, it would be nice if other people read it as well. So remind us again, what is the title? Uh, the series is called Songs of Siempre. How do you spell Siempre? Because I was, when I saw it before the show, I was like, how do you pronounce this? Siempre. So it's S-I, S for Sydney, I, and then it has a, a, an apostrophe. Okay. E-M-P-R-A. So Siempre. Okay. Uh, and the very first uh, book in the series is called Sky Seeker, Sky Seeker Princess. Sky Seeker's Princess. It sounds really amazing. Yeah. So Sky Seekers are the people who live above ground. Mm-hmm. And the crystal makers are the ones who live below ground. And the cryptals are the beasts that keep the island together. So three societies uh, and at the beginning of the book, they're in confrontation. Wow. And it was all this stemmed from a dream you had with your sister. That's right. That's right. That's, what that's, did sister, that's has a, your sister read the book? Oh, yeah. She was one of the first people to, to read it. And, um, and I didn't tell her about that, uh, that this had come from the dream. And she read it and she phoned me because she doesn't live anywhere near me. She phoned me and she said, Miriam, I can even remember the walk that we did when we were talking about this. So that was lovely. Yes, that was really lovely. So, yeah, she's, she's, been, she's been wonderful. She's read both of my books and uh, she's been a beta reader. So she's sort of gone through and, and uh, told me about what she likes and what she doesn't like about the book. And she's really helped me pull it together, uh, which has been great. Awesome. I love it when people give me feedback. I know, um, right? You know, it just sort of helps you. I find, you know, just as an author myself, that it's usually quite valuable because sometimes, okay, I'll use myself as an example, right? I think of my thoughts like spaghetti, right? I know mm-hmm. what they are, but they're all jumbled up in my head. Yep. So I know everything. I don't have to think about it. Whereas when I'm trying to take it, and if I take it exactly the way and put it that it is in my head and put it in the book, it's like a plate of spaghetti, right? Yes. Whereas when you have readers, they come out and they take your spaghetti and they stretch out each strand. So each person knows what each strand looks like and how long yes. it is, um, how thick it is. That's what readers and, you know, and reviewers and beta readers, those are the sort of people, they help get the craziness in my head into consumable form. Yep, yep. Absolutely vital. And people, sometimes people say to me, but, you know, don't you, don't you feel cringy when somebody criticizes what you're doing? And I say, oh, absolutely not. You know, it means that, if, if they even bother to talk to me, it means that I have engaged them. It means that because if something doesn't engage you, you're not even going to be bothered talking about it. But if you start talking about it, then, you know, okay, okay, I've got your interest. 
And that's just so rewarding. Yeah. You could start a conversation with that. I know. Good conversation starter, icebreaker. Yep. Yep. Okay. So now you say, you did you say you were working on your latest book or is the final book in the series, is that completed now? No, it's not yet completed. Um, I'm about three quarters of the way through. Uh, I've... I really got stuck in in one bit that I knew I had to do, but I just couldn't figure out how I was going to how I was going to do it. And uh, it took me oh, two two or three months, uh, you know, lots and lots of false starts. But I think I've got it now. So I've now moved on and to the bits that I'm not finding so difficult. So I'm going a little bit faster now. And I'm hoping to finish that within the next month or so, and then it'll take me a few more months uh, when the editor goes through it, you know, and I sort of review it and that sort of stuff. So I'm hoping that it'll be out before the end of the year. Okay. Um, I find I, I, I always have to give, you know, a big salute to people, to authors who write adult fiction, because I find it so tiring, right? Like, I think it's because I don't have a lot of time in my hand. So I was like, oh, seriously? And I tried it once and 25,000 words. And I'm like, never again. Like, I really would like to. And maybe sometime in the future, I would. But I think, oh, my God, this is so tiring when compared to children's books. Because I write children's books. And yes. I'm like, oh my God, children's book. I could, once I have an idea of what I want to write, let's mm. say within a day, two, three days tops, I'm done. Whereas to write 25,000 words, it's like a whole month later, I've only still been working on the first couple of pages. And I'm like, whoa, like how do people write 300 plus pages? <laughs> you know, I I listened one time to uh, oh no I was I was reading a book about athletes, okay. and uh, it was an autobiography by a lady who runs uh, marathons, and she said that one time she was at the Olympic Games, and she met this uh, other lady, an Australian, who uh, runs sprints. Okay, and she said to this lady. Oh, I just admire you so much. You can run so fast. And this lady who ran sprints said, Oh, but I admire you because you can run a marathon and I can't do more than 800 meters. <laughs> so I think we're all built a little bit differently. Hey, I, I, I find that if I tried to write a short story, my, my brain is full of so many complicated things. I can't do it. Short stories are agony for me. Long stories I can really get in and all of this spaghetti, as you called it, in my brain can come out and it can untangle and it can retangle and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it is very true though, because yes, I, I can see what you mean about, you know, the, the athletes because some have the stamina to do long distance and some can only manage short distances. And I actually never thought about it that way because I'm like, how do you spend the time and write over a hundred thousand words, right? I've lost attention by that time. Like come, come 5,000 words. I'm like, okay, right. This is a bit much for me now. <laughs> each to their own, each to their own. Yes. Yes. So what are the biggest, so people are listening to the show. What are the biggest things you want them to take out away from listening to you today? 
Oh, well, you know, I would love it if they pick up my book and read it, of course. Um, but if they do, I would love them to give me some feedback, um, to get onto my website and to subscribe and to tell me what they thought. Um, yeah, that's what I really love. Uh, and well, and do a to pitch, do a pitch, right? So it's this is adult fiction. It's fantasy. Mm -hmm. It's mixed genre. I it's know not. If, if if people pick it up thinking that they're going to read traditional fantasy, they will put it down very quickly. Mm. Uh, they need to pick it up much more as if they're going to read a literary work, something that is steps out of the genre. Um, will entertain them. There's adventure, there's cruelty, there's laughter, there's poetry. There's a little bit of everything there, um, but they've really got to step out of their comfort zone sometimes. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a different book, but those people who, who have picked it up have said, wow, this is not what I expected and I really enjoyed it. That's the feedback that I've had so far. Awesome. Well, at least if someone, you know, because I find that not everybody is going to like any work, right? I think of some of the quote unquote greatest authors we have, you know, J.K. Rowell and Stephen King. There are people who have read their books. And even though sometimes you might think, you're such a weirdo, how can you not like this? And mm. there are people, you know, those authors, they don't have, not everybody who reads their book likes it. So it's okay if authors like you and me, so, you know, there are people who don't like our book because again, not everybody has to like the same thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. At least one person comes and says, hey, Miriam, you know, I read this book. I really liked it. It was enjoyable. Kudos to you, you know, because it means that you met your, you know, the right person, you know, for your book who it was aimed at. So, okay, ladies and gentlemen, I wish I had time to read adult fiction motherhood and all the gazillion things that I have going on in my life do not even give me that kind of time but if you can make the time then Miriam would so much love it if you gave her feedback about what you think okay now yeah. quick question there are some bloggers in my network and they do um they do they read books um, when you give them a free copy in exchange for a review is that mm -hmm. something you would be... I don't know if there are any bloggers that listen to my podcast. I do know that I do have some on my mailing list. So if there are any bloggers or anyone actually who wanted to receive a free copy in exchange for a review of your book, would you be open to that? Sure, I'd be open to it. And in fact, I have recently turned the first book into an audio book. And I also have um, a few of uh, audio books that I can give away um, to people who want to give me some feedback. Okay. What is your email address? That way they can email you directly. And if you do email, please do put a note or comment in the, somewhere in the email to say you listen or you can start off like, hi, Miriam, I listened to your talk on the Shagilola Salami show. And I would like to receive a free copy of your book in exchange for an honest review. I think that's a good sort of opening email. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So what is so your the, email address? My email address is really easy. It's my name. So Miriam Fabeek, 
but turned around. So it's Fabrique Miriam. How do you spell it? V for Victoria, E R, B for Bob, double E K M I R I A M. So Fabrique Miriam at gmail.com. All right, can you do it one more time? Just because sometimes I've had people leave um you know numbers and things on my voicemail right and then i'm listening to it and i'm like it's not coming out really clear i can't hear what you said and then i'm having to listen to it several times and i'm like why didn't you do it twice or three times right so that if i miss it the first time i can get it again so we know i think miriam is quite easy so it's just the verb that i think you know people might struggle with because yep it's a dutch name and you know the only place that i don't have to spell it because it's as common as, as Smith is when I'm in Holland. Everywhere else I have to spell it multiple times because there are so many E's. Yeah. <laughs> so it is V-E-R-B-E-E-K. Just one more time for the road. V-E-R-B-E-E-K. Awesome. So, right, just say, because I've said it, so you just said that anyone who emails you, they can get, and they want to give you honest feedback of your book, they can email you. So let it be in your words so that it's not just my word and you just offering people stuff that you're not willing to do. Um, If they want to email me and, of course, say that they've heard about me on the Sejilola Salami show, um, they can email me and ask me for a free copy of either the audio or the digital copy. And I would be delighted to give it to them. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, and fingers crossed, you know, we will get so you'll get some feedback for your for your book because it does really sound it sounds really amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And that tea was delightful. And I really enjoyed the pancakes with the strawberries. You know that your strawberries are going to get smaller and smaller. Are they? They are because it's the the first crop will be quite large and strawberries um, will be like a weed in your garden and they'll just get smaller and smaller the more wild they become. And get sweeter and sweeter. I think I read that. But the strawberries I have are doing it the complete opposite. Because the first time, they were like these really grape-sized fruits that were coming up. And I was really disappointed. The second time, the second year, it was like that. Whereas this time, this year, I've had humongous grapes, right? Excellent. Literally. But, but, and this is me, you're getting me to talk about stuff that I enjoy, right? So... I read earlier on at the start of the summer uh, or spring, right, that if you take an egg and dig a hole in your, because I use flower pots, if you take an egg and dig a hole and put your egg in, or at least eggshells, right, but I use like a whole egg and put it there, as the egg sort of starts to crack and, you know, everything comes out, the plant Mm -hmm. is going to use it as nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Once I did that, oh my God, my strawberry leaves, they became like this really mm. dark green and literally they just became humongous. And I think that's why I've ended up with two baby fl- um, plants. And I think it's the, 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 
quote unquote, the placenta, so the runner of it, it's still running. And I'm thinking, okay, it looks like another, another plant is, is growing, right? So yep. I think that that's the difference though, because before I used to use like, you know, supermarket bought um, tomato feed, and maybe that's possibly not the best one for strawberry. But immediately after I put that one egg in my flower pot, that was just the right thing to do. It was. And so I, humongous, it was like, let me see. It's kind of like two or one and a half or to two strawberry, uh, to two grapes, that kind of size. Fantastic. Well, they tasted beautiful. Oh my goodness. Not only do they taste beautiful, delicious, but when you just put it to your nose, right? You're like, oh my God. Seriously, right? The smell is just so delicious and it's just, oh, fresh food. How lovely. lovely. I've got potatoes as well and they're looking humongous as well because they can sort of, they just sort of sprout into the top of the Mm -hmm. actual potato themselves, right? And they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, gardening, home gardening is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. A lot of fun, isn't it? It is. So my daughter loves it. She's four years old. Um, you know, she's normally, she normally comes on the ship, but now she's a big girl. She does her own thing and goes to nursery and doesn't really have time for mommy. Um, so mm-hmm. if not, she, she would have loved to tell you so much about her strawberry. And, you know, um, our garden is like, we try to make it very suitable for wildlife. So we have bees come in the garden and, you know, it's just like a good learning opportunity about, you know, pollination, even though I'm really rubbish about teaching children. Um, but yes, you know, so it's been good, but yes, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, that's a lovely story. Yes. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see you again in a few weeks, few months, maybe even a year, whenever you're ready or whenever your next book is ready. And you can come and talk us through how, you know, that book is done as well. That would be delightful. Okay, Miriam and everyone listening to the show, we've come to the, to the end of today's episode of the Shagilola Salami Show. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to the show, please do share it with everyone in your comment. And like Miriam said, please do leave a review because reviews are quite nice to read, you know, because it just sort of tells us if we're doing something right. Um, so until next week, it is the Shagilola Salami Show. Bye now. <laughs>